This is Cruise Radio. This is real world, people. If you're going to travel, make sure you have travel insurance. Get a policy today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Doug Parker. Very happy to have you here. A review of Norwegian Breakaway coming up later on in the show. Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, standing by with Cruise News. I just had a root canal, so I'm going to talk as little as possible today. So with no further ado, Stuart Sheeran, what's up, man? Hey, Doug. So NCL named another guy the godfather of their ship. They're naming all these guys godfathers, totally going against tradition, right? Godfather? It is godfather, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This will be the second one. If you recall, they named uh, Armando Perez slash Pitbull as godfather of Norwegian Escape. On this one, uh, we've got uh, Doug, you know, all puns intended, uh, Elvis has uh, arrived at the building, (laughs) or Elvis has returned. We're never going to hear the end of this. No. But uh, Elvis Duran, uh, who is on New York's uh, Z100 since 1996, is was uh, tapped to be the godfather of the Norwegian Bliss, which, as you know, is you know I'm pretty well tied into it. uh, You know, considering my good friend Wyland is Mm -hmm. one who is uh, painting the hull, so it's going to be kind of fun in January to head out to Poppenberg, Germany, um, to go out there for the painting of the whales on the hull of the ship. So I'm trying to do the math here. I was in radio for 13 years, so I could probably be the godfather of their next ship, correct? Hey, Doug, it's it's very possible. I mean, the next NCL ship could could be uh, Doug Parker. Okay. I mean, we could put Cruise Radio on the side. There you go. I like it. You I know, like it. You never know. Well, congrats to Elvis Duran. Good guy. He's worked hard his whole career. Uh, let's see here. Carnival Cruise Line raging, uh, raising, and raging, I guess, the prices of their drink package. What do we have here? They're, they're going from about... Uh, Fifty dollars to about fifty-two dollars, so it's about two dollars uh, per day um, difference. But uh, you know, still, when you're talking about uh, an, an overcost, I mean, it's still you know you still have to look at the break-even point, which uh, is a little over five drinks per person per day. <laughs> you know, when you think about it. But uh, they, I guess, they they looked at uh, their 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 P and L, and you know, maybe some people. Uh, you know, like friends of yours that may be uh, taking advantage of the of the of the program. I think it is a profit center because I don't think a lot of people realize how much they don't drink. Uh, then you have it you know, weighs against the people that do drink a lot, and uh, it's it it kind of comes up somewhere in the middle, I guess. But uh, I guess the extra two dollars were they're just looking to you know increase uh, some profits, maybe make up for some losses on some people. But you know, if you're going to do it, you know, hey, you know, hats off to you. So if you want to take advantage of the cheaper Cheers price or the current price, buy or pre-purchase before January 1st because that's when the price goes up. Also, everyone in the stateroom has to have the program, just like the other cruise lines. Correct. Also, go ahead. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, that's the pre-purchase price. Mm -hmm. So it's $51.95. But if you wait until, um, you know, you get to the ship, they hit you for another $5 per person per day. So it's about $57 per person per day. Yeah, and drink responsibly. Yes. Yeah, always <laughs> drink responsibly. Uh, so Carnival's also adding some uh, new, or bringing back, I guess, a menu item that was very popular at one time. They're bringing back the Baked Alaska, mm-hmm. which, which, is just, uh, which, which is great. And, I mean, it's, it's not just a Carnival uh, dessert. It's Essentially, it's an industry-wide uh, dessert that they're, they're bringing back, which is, is great, especially with their... Uh, new menu items that uh, they they are 
uh, re, you know, introducing or and, and changing in, in, in many of the different venues across the fleet, which which is great news. Um, it's it's you know they're they're steakhouses. They're going to have new appetizers, new you know all, all kinds of new foods that uh, you know are really going to tantalize the senses. Uh, they're doing some nice upgrades to <laughs> Cucina del Capitano, which is their um, Italian restaurant, and uh, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be very nice. But the you know one one staple across the industry. Um, you know, Doug, you know, since I got in in 1989 was the baked Alaska. Yeah. And, uh, the, 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 the parade, you know, the lights going out and the parade of, uh, you know, with the, the, the staff, you know, around the dining room. Now the question is going to be, will it be flaming <laughs> like it used to be? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, uh, you know, but it's still going to be, you know, it's still going to be kind of a uh, part of the, uh, the entertainment. Um, but it is, a, it's such a great dessert and I'm, I'm just thrilled to bring it back. I just like when you say tantalize the senses, tantalize the senses. <laughs> so you can look for those changes in the steakhouse. Also Cucina del Capitano and the delis on board, uh, coming up on a lot of their ships. I forgot which ones. I know they're on Vista right now. Moving on here. MSC Seaside uh, was delivered from the shipyard. Also two more ships on order. What's going on over there, Stuart? Well, they, they took delivery of uh, their, their newest ship, which is the 4,134-passenger uh, Seaside. Uh, it's about 169,000 tons. It's a very nice-sized ship. It's coming right uh, It'll leave the shipyard and come right to uh, Miami, Florida, where it will uh, debut. Uh, it's it's going to be a neat ship. It's, it's not, you know, some people are like, well, it's a really unique design, but it's, it's really not. In that, uh, you know, some of a lot of the the, the design of this ship, um, especially the aft part. I mean, we we've seen that on Aida cruises, uh, Aida Prima and Aida Blue um, have something similar. Um, then you know, you look at what NCL is coming out with with Project Leonardo, which is also being built by uh, Fincantieri in uh, in Italy. And literally, the the whole ship just looks like a newer generation of the Aida ships. Um, so then, so then you got NCL and, and Virgin is doing the same thing, and the bow of the new Virgin ship it looks like a complete knockoff of the the upcoming world class uh, from uh, MSC Cruises actually, which again you know was the next generation of what the uh, Aida ship looks like. But putting that aside, um, they're they're trying to you know reconnect people to the sea, give them um, you know some additional options. Um, you know, it, it, it'll it'll be a nice ship, and the, and the question, the big question for cruise passengers that originate in the United States is, can they deliver on the food and service? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with this ship um, that they have not been able to do uh, so far, um, because you know, not only are they going to have two ships adding to the, you know uh, seaside to Divina, but uh, in a couple of years they're hoping to bring uh, Mergavelia. Isn't that a mouthful? Uh, you know, in, into the uh, into the U.S. market, so they've got a lot of upgrades now. As far as you mentioned, the the new ship orders, so they they ordered two ships, but as I mentioned earlier, it's really a net order of just one, because uh, they were going to build. So essentially, what they're building is a, you know, it's like a seaside plus, mm-hmm. and so instead of building another seaside type ship, which would have been the third, they are going to. Um, just go right into building a plus size of of the the new ship, which is just going to make it a little larger. It's going you know it's called Seaside Evo, and um, and so they're going to build that ship instead. So they ordered two ships, but it's really a net result of just one. Okay, interesting. 
And uh, people are keep saying, oh, they're going to catch up with the big three. And I guess, yeah, they might catch up with Carnival Norwegian and Royal Caribbean as far as ships go. But I don't think they'll ever catch up service-wise. Listen, it's, it's a very different product. It's a very yeah. European product. Um, but when you say that they're going to catch up, I mean, right now they're, they're – now, if you're referring you – know, so I know some people say, well, they're going to catch up in number of ships. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they, they, they really won't. Remember, a lot of some of their older ships at some point – which they do have a lot of older ships, are going to start to make their way uh, out of the fleet. So, I mean, they're, they're building more new ships that will, take it, you know, that will replace some of their older ships that, that are currently sailing uh, around Europe. But their, their, big, their big issue right here in the United States is whether or not they can compete and, and Americanize. I mean, they did a nice job with Davina, but it never really reached the, the same type of experience food and service-wise, that we would get on any of the other cruise ships, and which is why you know, we, we've seen you know, the pricing uh, the, where it is. Um, you know, hopefully, hey, this will be a, a marketable uh, improvement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ho- listen, I, I hope they do well with it. Yeah, I do too, totally. Um, okay, last but not least here, Princess Cruises has officially named their fourth Royal-class ship. What's it going to be? Well, Doug, I, instead of reaching for the stars... They're reaching for the sky. There you go. <laughs> so uh, the next uh, ship, the uh, fourth in the class, will be the uh, Sky Princess, which uh, some people may remember. Uh, there was a Sky Princess from uh, 88 to 2000. Um, it was uh, actually formally built as a Sitmar ship, and uh, it was the Fair Sky. And uh, then uh, she became the Sky Princess. Um, she was a, a nice ship. It's a great name. You know, it's very good for, for Princess to, to reuse some of these very famous names that they've used over the years. Um, she will debut um, in October of 19. Uh, she'll be 143,700 tons, and uh, she'll be a 3,600-passenger ship. So uh, you know, we'll start off, you know, she'll start off in the Mediterranean. And, uh, you know, I mean, this, is, this class of ship has really worked well for Princess, and, uh, you know, we're certainly looking forward to seeing her. Got a listener question here from Steve over in Dallas. When do you think St. Martin will be back to normal? It's a loaded question. Um, the, the good news is the, the ships are scheduled to begin sailing there, what, January? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it could take years. I mean, I remember, you know, many years ago back in the 90s, Doug, when uh, St. Martin got hit and, you know, one of the fan favorite areas was uh, Megan's Bay. It, 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 it took some time. And uh, it's, it's, it's just going to take some time. But... Uh, I know that these, these, these various ports, San Juan, uh, St. Thomas, um, and, uh, and St. Martin were, were hard hit. Uh, they're very grateful and appreciative of all the passengers that are, are, are planning to go who, who have come because this is actually the, the best way that any of us can help provide them with assistance and, and aid, and that's just by going uh, on vacation and when in these ports, Take the shore excursions. Mm-hmm. Uh, go visit the shops. Spend money in the shops. Spend money with these people. Let these people, you know, earn a living, and, and in this way, it'll enhance. It'll also enhance your your experience. But it's the fastest way that we as travelers or or, or consumers can actually have a positive impact in in these areas that were uh, negatively impacted by by these hurricanes. So St. Martin's going to take. It's going to take some time, but uh, I mean, believe it or not, when people start going in January, they're going to be shocked to see. Wow, this place looks great. Yeah. So uh, I would absolutely, you know, make plans. You know, you go, you'll go, you'll have a great time, and uh, 
You know, I, I still, you know, I still know people are still hanging off the fences by the airport uh, <laughs> as the uh, as the jets are, are are taking off. Have you ever had a desire to fence surf at the no? Pr- yeah, me neither. No, but uh, it, it is funny to see cars and 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 the people as they they waffle uh, <laughs> when the when, especially when the seven forty sevens are taking off. That one, but, uh, that one lady died a couple of months ago fence surfing. Yeah. She hit her head. Yeah, Good well, some gosh. people get look to get tossed into the ocean. Yeah, now, I, I can tell you, I do remember seeing the Concorde mm-hmm. uh, taken off from oh, there. Wow, that's cool. And oh, it was it was it was certainly quite a sight to see. Been talking with Stuart Cheever on the Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Thank you, buddy. My pleasure. Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to find art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. So Richard just returned from a seven-night sailing out of New York City on Norwegian Breakaway, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Richard. Hey, thanks for having me. This is your fifth time sailing Norwegian Breakaway. Got to ask you, why so many times on this ship? Well, for one thing, it's one of the few ships that actually sails out of New York. I like to home port. So most of the trips that I've done, most of the cruises I've done have been either on the Norwegian Breakaway or the Gem, um, because they both sail right from Midtown Manhattan. You also could have said, because I like the ship, Doug, that's why I sail on it so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny. The very first time I sailed on this ship, uh-huh. I had such a bad disembarkation experience that I vowed I would never do it again. I oh, wow. really – everything else about the trip was great, but the disembarkation was such uh, – just uh, uh, like the worst mess you can possibly imagine. Like I was convinced people were going to be injured in this Im- disembarkation. And I, at that point, said that I would never do that ship again. Well, let's switch it around and talk about the embarkation this go around. How was that? Fantastic. Very easy. Um, I got there. I mean, the way they do it is they break you up into boarding numbers unless you happen to be, you know, platinum or traveling with casinos at seas. And while my next trip, I finally will be platinum. This one I wasn't. So I just went through the normal boarding process. Um, The check in was really simple, took like, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes. And then it was just waiting. Um, 
And there was a storm actually coming in. So they wanted to get us on the ship as quickly as possible. They actually started boarding, boarding earlier than they normally do. So even though I was in like 23, I think was my boarding group number. I really, it was probably a half hour between when they started boarding and when I was on, if that. So this being your fifth time you walk on board, uh, do you have the same impressions? Like what's going through your mind when you walk uh, across the gangway and onto the ship this go around? Get to guest services immediately. Um, I wanted to get a vibe pass and they only sell 65 of them. And there is sort of a running of the bulls kind of situation when you get on the ship. People who know are trying to get down there as soon as possible. And I honestly, because I was in the 23rd boarding group, mm -hmm. I was pretty convinced I wouldn't get one. But I did. I got down there. I got the vibe pass. And then after that, one of the reasons I really like going on a ship that I've been on a couple times is you don't feel that rush. You don't feel that, oh, my God, I must explore everything. I must see everything. You're. It's almost like you know going to your favorite resort or your favorite hotel or – there's just a, there's a comfort level. So I really was able to just relax. I went and had, you know, a nice sit down lunch in the main dining room and didn't feel compelled to have to, you know, I, I didn't feel the, the anxiousness. I really was able to relax almost immediately. They only sell 65 vibe passes. What is this vibe thing about? Vibe is a private area. It's on the top of the ship. Uh, it's, it's, uh, adults only, which if you're like me, I don't mind children, but I'm, don't particularly want to spend a lot of time with them. I'm not really into the whole loud pool scene. Vibe is separate. It's behind a closed door. It has its own bartender. It has hot tubs. It has, they come around and offer you fruit skewers. It costs, typically it costs about $99 for the week. Uh, and that is good for the whole week. And it's just a really nice getaway. It's something completely private. You know, you end up bonding with the other people who have bought passes for the week because you see those same that salt that same small group of people over and over and over again over the course of the week. It's just a really it's a really nice way to get away from sort of the loudness of the main pool area if that's not your thing. Every time I've had you on the show, you've always booked a, an, an aft facing balcony. Did you book the same room this time? I did not no. uh, sigh. I could not afford it this time. So I was trying to save money. Um, so I ended up booking a bump balcony. Mm -hmm. And I'd never had a bump balcony before. Uh, a bump balcony is basically, if you look at the way a lot of ships are designed, there's a part of the ship that's wider than the rest. And so bump balconies, they're, they start off normal and then they get a little bit wider on one end. Uh, so they're there's they're a little more spacious than a regular balcony and i said you know i'll give it a try it was great if there's one thing i learned it's that there's two different kinds of bump balconies mm -hmm. there's bump balconies which face forward and there's bump balconies that sort of face the, where the bump faces backwards i had one that faced forward and it could be very very windy uh, whereas the back the ones that face backwards because of the way they're constructed they're more sheltered they don't get quite as much wind so it was very windy on the balcony but it was great i loved it you know okay and how was the stateroom and balcony for you it's great. Uh, most of the rooms on Breakaway uh, are pretty similar in the balcony category. The mini suites have a slightly bigger bathroom, and I thought about you know doing the bid to upgrade to that. It would have been like fifty bucks or something, but but I really didn't necessarily want to do that because I was a little bit nervous about when you take part in Norwegian's bid to upgrade, 
you get whatever room they assign you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might end up under a bowling alley or a nightclub or something. So I really kind of wanted to stay where I was. So I stayed with that. Room-wise, it was almost exactly the same as an aft-facing balcony as far as the size. The only big difference is, of course, the aft-facing balcony has not only that great view, but those tend to be much, much bigger balconies. So it sounds like the bid to upgrade program is more like a guarantee cabin. Yeah, basically, you um, you can place a bid, and they the way it works is if there are rooms available to upgrade. And the thing they really try and push here is the haven. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the rooms that were available to upgrade on my bids were haven. And what happens is they they send out an email saying, "Do you want to take part in the process? If you do." You there's little you get an email with a slider scale in it, and let's say you want to look at a penthouse in the Haven, they'll they'll give you the option of bidding between say five hundred and two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you're bidding for two people. So if you bid five hundred dollars, it costs you a thousand if you win. Even if you have four people in the room, you're only bidding for two people. Okay. It's a great way to upgrade for potentially a lot less money, especially if you bid on the low scale. They, they, they grade it from low to high, from I think they call, call it fair to excellent or whatever. Uh, the only downside is, of course, if you bid to upgrade, you have no control over where you end up, much like a guaranteed suite you have no, or a guaranteed room. You have no, you have no clue where you're going to wind up. You just know the category that you're going to wind up in. Over the summer, I was put in a guarantee cabin, and uh, I was underneath the nightclub, and the wall shook until 2.30 every single night. Exactly, and I have to assume, you know, most people who pick a specific room on the ship are are savvy cruisers who pick something that's going to be in a quiet area or that's exactly where they want to be. Mm-hmm. So I assume by the time you get around to the point where they're either offering really good discounts on leftover rooms or they're doing guarantees or Norwegian actually calls them sail-away rates, um, that's the same thing as a guarantee to them. At that point, they're giving you the rooms that are left. In other words, the rooms that the smart cruisers uh-huh. tried to avoid. Now, that actually makes sense because come to think of it, my guarantee was four sixty nine per person. If you were to pick your own stateroom, it was ten ninety nine a person. Exactly. Yeah. So you get a great deal. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, some people look at it and they say, it doesn't matter. I'm only in the room to sleep. Uh, I tend to spend a lot of time in my room, uh, especially depending on the type of vacation. A lot of times I'm, I'm really in my room reading a lot or relaxing or napping. I fully confess that I'm a big napper on cruises. (laughs) So to me, the room location is really important. I want to talk about the dining on this seven night sailing. Uh, did you do any specialty restaurants? I did because with Norwegian, one of the things that they do is for a balcony level category, um, you get two perks. So, and and they have like five different perks you can choose from. I chose the unlimited drink package, which I always get with with whoever I cruise. I always buy a drink package, but with Norwegian, I got it for quote unquote free. And then I did the specialty dining, which on a seven night cruise gives you three nights in any of the specialty restaurants you want. You can go to the same one. You can go to different ones. So I um I actually did something I've never done before, and that's the other thing is no matter how many times you've been on a ship. You know, there's probably things you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. So this time on the first night, I did the uh, Cirque, what's it called? Cirque Jungle Dreams, I guess it is. Yeah. It's sort of a dinner show with um, Cirque du Soleil performers. Uh, and, and that's considered one of the specialty dinings. Although they do add, you use one of your specialty dining credits and then they upcharge you like, I don't know, 10 or $11, some very silly amount. But that was great. That was a lot of fun. It was very unique, something I've never done before and a lot of fun. And then the other two I did, uh, Cagney's, I believe I did, but the other two nights, I'm a big fan of the steakhouse. So I did that 
two nights in a row. Someone's a big fan of Cagney's. I love Cagney's. I, I think it's probably my favorite of all the specialty restaurants on that Norwegian has at this point. Have you ever done the Brazilian one? I have, Moderno. Yeah. And I always, I, I thought I would love it because I'm a big meat eater, you know, and, and, and for those who don't know, you know, you can't really pick what kind of wellness you want done and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's a lot of meat, but I found it to be not particularly a lot of really great meat. So I tend to skip that and instead go to the steakhouse a second time. How was the Manhattan main dining room? I love the Manhattan room. The Manhattan room is done Art Deco style. Um, all three of the dining rooms on Norwegian Breakaway, the Manhattan room, Taste and Savor, they all have the same menu. But the Manhattan Room has a completely different feel. It's like you're going into an Art Deco supper club from like the 1940s. They have live music there. People dance. They have a nice dance floor. So so whenever the band is playing, you have people dancing. It's just, it's really, it feels like you're going to a specialty restaurant, even though it's one of the main dining rooms. Now that's the one in the back of the ship, right? Yeah, it's at the very back. Yeah. And you do feel it. (laughs) You you feel it. Yeah, it has a very big ceiling. Is it two-story? Like, is it a two-story dining room? It's a two-story room, Mm -hmm. but there is not a second story to the room. Uh, There's, uh, in fact, if you are seated in Cagney's, which is on the floor above it, Cagney's has windows that look down on the uh on the manhattan room so it is a huge high ceiling you know it's a beautiful beautiful room but there is only seating on the main dining room floor so we covered the specialty restaurants and the manhattan am i missing any or did you mostly dine in the manhattan when you weren't doing specialty i mostly did the manhattan room um i did lunches in the main dining room which i i used to never do that i used to never you know i just go to the buffet and grab whatever but I find that the buffet is an easy way to just lose control. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just wander around grazing like a cow. <laughs> Whereas if I go to a, a sit-down restaurant, you know, the portions are, are, are controlled. And one of the things I like about Norwegian is that the portions aren't necessarily big. And I feel like they know you're going to order a lot. Like I tend to order an entree and two appetizers at lunch. You know, the appetizers are not huge. So it's not like you're... I still feel like I eat a lot less than I would if I went to the buffet. So for breakfast, what kind of person are you on a ship? Because for me, I stay away from the buff, uh, the buffet and just do the main dining room. Bloody Mary. For really? me, it's That's the all? bar. Okay. <laughs> I tend to Fair skip enough. breakfast. I go downstairs, I get a Bloody Mary, and I consider the olive my breakfast. Let's talk about the entertainment. And did you make any reservations on this sailing? I had reservations for both Burn the Floor and um, Rock of Ages, the two shows they do on the, they're both Broadway caliber shows. Mm-hmm. I skipped both of them. I had seen them both, you know, I've been on the ship a lot, so I've seen them both several times. And plus, I'd seen Rock of Ages on actual Broadway several times. But one thing I did this time that I have not really done before is after dinner and in the evening, I wandered around and went to the various you know, just the entertainment venues. Like like they had an amazing singer called Charlie Love who was performing in uh, the jazz club, Fat Cats. So I went and listened to that a couple nights. They had an amazing singer named Aaliyah who was performing at one of the martini bars and I sat and listened to that. And I never really have done that before where I've just sort of wandered the ship and whatever entertainment I stumbled upon, that was, you know, that was it. I always just went to the shows. And it was it was so cool. It was just it was completely different. And the the the, the nice thing about Norwegian Breakaway is that both Fat Cats 
and Shakers, where these two performers were were performing, have outdoor seating areas. And so you can sit outside and the music is piped out and, th- and, and, and you can enjoy it while sitting there out on the waterfront looking at the ocean. So that's just like the best of all possible worlds to me. How was Breakaway on Sea Days? Good. The only place that really gets crowded, especially if there happens to be any kind of weather going on and people don't want to be outside, is the atrium. The atrium gets packed on sea days it's if if there's a show going on in the atrium you know like they have the burn the floor uh uh the burn the floor performers come out and teach you how to samba and stuff like that it is packed absolutely Mm -hmm. packed but other than that if you avoid you know that area there's plenty of other places to 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 wander around and hang out and the flow of the ship seems pretty good because usually i find the first sea day Everything is kind of crazy because nobody knows what the heck they're doing, and everybody's just wandering around in masses like like lemmers. But by the second sea day, let alone the sea days at the end of the trip, everybody kind of knows the ship. They've all found their own vibe. They found their own area, and and it it handles it pretty well. Back to the dining for a second. How was Oshihans? I love Oshihans. I love Oshihans. Um, I actually had, I think I had dinner there one night because I missed my, my, I did, I did make some dinner reservations and one night I missed it and they could seat me in an hour, but I wasn't really interested. So I just went to Oceans. They have, um, just really amazing wings. Oh, and you know what? I did actually eat breakfast there one morning. I forgot. I woke up one morning having stayed out a little too late the night before and said, I need breakfast. (laughs) And Oceans has a really nice breakfast menu. It's limited, but you know, if you don't feel like the buffet, it's and you and you miss the main dining room, which that was my one problem was I slept too late and missed the hours of the main dining room breakfast. So that's how I ended up at Oceans. I completely forgot about that. Ah. And they have a nice, they have a nice little breakfast. They have you know everything from you know your traditional eggs and stuff. They have a really good corned beef hash. Uh, it's it's pretty decent. So on the seven night sailing, you went to Port Canaveral slash Orlando, Great Stirrup Cay, and Nassau Bahamas. And I met up with you when you stopped in Orlando. I'm just curious because I'm a Disney annual pass holder, so the price of admission really doesn't phase me. But you had to buy a full ticket, and it was like 126 or 129 dollars for someone out of state. Was the time in port worth the price of the ticket? Oh, heck no. Okay. No, not by a long shot. Um, by the time, you know, I, I suppose it depends on your ship and what time you get there. Mm-hmm. Breakaway tends to get there around one o'clock, which means, as you know, by the time I got over to Disney and met you, it was like 2.30, 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And you have to be back at the ship by eight. And it's like an hour drive back and forth or more. So you have to be back at the ticket and transportation center by around 6.30. So really, we were only there for four hours. Now, I'm glad I went because while we were there, we went over to the Nomad Lounge, which I'd never been to and and had, you know, just a really great meal. And it was a lot of fun sitting there hanging out and everything. But when you consider that you're paying $59 transfer fee for the bus plus $100 park fee for entrance, it's not really worth it. Unless you have an annual pass. In that case, then totally it's worth it. Yeah, gotcha. Then you went to Great Stirrup K, and I understand they're doing a lot of refurbishments there. Is that still going on? It is. Um, right now, a lot of the enhancements that are going on, you know, they don't disturb the area that guests are in at all because they're sort of on the far side. Um, and that area they're turning into a really high end 
uh, sort of private area for mostly for Haven, excuse me, for Haven guests. Although they're building so many of these high-end bungalows over there that I have to assume they will also be available to rent for people who aren't in the Haven. Mm-hmm. They look like they're going to be really beautiful. They're 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 going to have air conditioning and electric and and you know they're going to be really really high end and they'll be built around a lagoon that they um, that they've dredged out over there. There's also um, they're building a lighthouse which is under construction right now, uh, but you can see that it's probably going to be very similar to what they have at Harvest K, where it's um, they have the zip line down it and all that. That's going to be sort of at the center of the island. But right now, you know, everything else is functional. You know, they have the the taco bar and they have the Bacardi bar and they have the lighthouse bar and and the the food place. Everything is everything is perfectly functional. But you can tell that when they finally get this done, it's really going to elevate things to a whole new level. Were you able to peek over the fence? I was. I was able to peek over the fence because, you know, there's actually a part where, especially if the tide is low, you can actually walk out into the water and sort of see up to where the bungalows are, are being built. And the structures all seem to be built and it looks like they're sort of working on the details now. I still think they have several months to go before it'll be ready. And the lighthouse is really just um, sort of a uh, – which is in the middle of the island, and you can easily see that. It's sort of still just a, a, a basic structure, but you get the idea that it's going to be kind of impressive. Cool. And your final stop was Nassau. Did you do anything there? I didn't even get off the ship in Nassau. Okay. It was not – it was kind of a rainy day, and – I went up to Vibe for a while, and I just decided to, you know, chillax and enjoy the ship, uh, which was really one of the reasons, you know, like I said, that's one of the reasons I like going on a ship that I've done before is I and, – and the same thing with the itinerary. I've done this itinerary like seven or eight times at this point. I don't feel the need to get off the ship. If, if there, you know, I wouldn't have minded if it was a nice day. I probably would have gone to Junkaroo Beach or gone and gotten lunch in the Bahamas, but it was kind of a cloudy day, so I just relaxed. Yeah. I do want to touch on one other thing, um, if I can backtrack for a second. Norwegian is pretty well known for having, um, I guess most lines do, they have some really, really great parties. And this trip that I was on happened to be during Halloween, and so they had a Halloween party that was one of the best parties I've ever gone to on a ship. Um, If you've ever wondered, is it worth going on, on, you know, I've done Thanksgiving on the ships, it's a lot of fun, this was my first time doing Halloween, Everybody was in costumes. They had a killer party uh, at Spice H2O, the outdoor venue. It was really kind of awesome. So if you've ever wondered what Halloween is like on a ship, and yes, they took the kids around and let them all go trick-or-treating to all the different shops and venues and bar, even the bars and stuff, they were giving out candy to the kids. Uh, so it was it was kind of a blast. That is pretty cool. So how was the debarkation on this one? Because you said your first Norwegian cruise, it wasn't that good. Amazing. Um, like I said, the first time I did this ship, I had a really bad experience. Since then, um, I mean, I'm gold now, so I get better privileges than I did back then. And they actually had um, a a separate area. It was set up in the Manhattan room for people who were gold and going to disembark. I think I was like the sixth person off the ship. If you've ever, if you've never walked into the customs hall and seen it completely empty, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it, it echoes, it's really huge, and, you know, I'm used to seeing it filled with people. There was no one in there. It was I was literally the only person in the room at the time, so disembarkation could not have been easier. I was off the ship in five minutes and home a half hour later. What was the biggest highlight of the cruise for you? 
the Halloween party was definitely a, a, a real high as far as, you know, events and things go. Meal-wise, um, I had just oh, – I always love Cagney's. I always get the exact same thing, and they have a killer pork belly that's like one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. But really, the Manhattan Room is a real highlight for me because it's it's just – it's like stepping back in time and you've got this great music playing and there's almost always, you know, passengers get up and dance because they had a singer singing, you know, classic old school romantic music. It's just, it's just a really, really fantastic experience, especially for a main dining room. You just don't expect that kind of elevated experience from a main dining room. So I would say those were two, probably my two highlights. Did you buy a Wi-Fi package on this sailing? I did. I did. It was $200 for the week. Mm-hmm. You could sign on as much as you wanted, um, um, one one device at a time. I will say they make it really easy. Like, I would forget to sign off my computer in my room, and I would be maybe up in Vibe and want to get on Wi-Fi. And the first time, I thought, oh, crap, I have to go back down and sign off. But you don't have to. It actually gives you an option. There's just a button you click, and it disconnects the other, the other um, device that you had connected. So you can switch back and forth really easy. The Wi-Fi was okay. It wasn't great. I think the best I've ever had was on Anthem of the Seas. The, their Wi-Fi was just was phenomenal. But you know, this was this was not bad. It was it was pretty decent. Final thoughts of Norwegian Breakaway. Go. You know, it's a ship I love. I will no doubt do it again. I'm actually looking forward to her switching places with the Escape because I've never done the Escape, and it's it's a very similar ship to Breakaway, but she has a few different things that I haven't tried, like the district brew house, things like that. Uh, and, and I'm also looking forward to trying, you know, other ships that I've never done, but, uh, but this is the one I've done the most and I'll, I'm sure I'll be back. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your review. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.